Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. Welcome to Series 3 of the Tim Hill Podcast. In the last two series, I've told you about my life. I've met many interesting people along the way who have become my friends and what they all have in common is they have fascinating stories of their own which they are happy to share with you now. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Coach Chris Hines. Chris, if you can tell us where and when you were born and if you can describe what it was like where you grew up the schools you went to, and the education that you received. So, Chris, you're in the room. Welcome. Welcome, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, man, where was I born? Los Angeles, California. I lived on the West Coast my entire life. Like, I've been to the East Coast, but <laughs> I've lived in L.A., Portland, and now I live in Seattle. So, like, I'm really, really West Coast guy. You're going to be you're um, gonna be in, <laughs> in uh <laughs> Um, Alaska before you know it. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God. <moving> north. <laughs> well, one day I gotta go. I gotta go. Um, man, I went to school in LA. I went to a ton of schools, man. I went to maybe 20 schools from elementary to college. Um, it was never an easy road for me. Um, I did finish college in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Um, school for me was always easy, which made it kind of boring, you know, like it wasn't, it just didn't really challenge me as much. Um, even when I got to college, it was just not as fun as I thought it would be. So um, how was your kindergarten then? Kindergarten was kind of the same. Like I finished the work so fast and it was so easy. I just kind of would sit around and get in trouble because I was already done with the work. Um, and the teachers wanted to skip me ahead of grade so I could be challenged more. My mom didn't want me to. So all of school for me was always being a step ahead of what they were assigning me. Oh, right. um, so it was just really, it was weird all the time. Like I finished work and I'm just sitting here <laughs> doing nothing. Like It got kind of annoying after a while. Um, but it was just, I was challenged when I got to college a little bit, but mm. I credit that to my stepfather because he gave me so many good habits of studying and just learning even when I'm not in school. So I was always doing so much studying outside of school that when I actually went to class, it was just easy. Like I was already done with a lot of stuff. So it's just, it made school really not difficult for me. What, what about your elementary school then? How was that? I mean, what sort of, what sort of lessons were you getting uh, that, that made you sort of, um, sort of rapidly go through the, 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 the curriculum? Well, in elementary school, really, that was when I learned the habit of studying. At a really young age, my stepfather was a teacher, so he always had workbooks. And he would teach, like, middle school kids, like, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. And me being elementary, I was always studying that stuff, like, that curriculum. So I was always looking at the stuff that was further ahead and reading the more complicated books, you know, and... I think it was really good. I appreciate it because I learned how to study. So now I even use those habits. I learned in elementary school today in business. Like when I need to learn something new or build a new mm -hmm. skill, I go back to the habits I learned in elementary school. 
Um, and that's when I learned just the little stuff, man. How do you read and how do you comprehend what you read? And even with math, I've never been a fan of math, but just how do you, you know, focus on it so you can get it done and get the outcome that you want? Um, I learned a lot of those good habits in elementary school. All right. So did you play any sports at all? Were you, were you into your sports? Oh, yeah. Basketball was my entire life, man. That's one of the reasons why I stayed in school as long as I did, (laughs) because I was just always playing basketball. Um, That was it. Like, if I didn't have that, I would not have taken high school as seriously as I did. Like, I had a great grade point average. um, And even in college, I had a great grade point average because I played basketball. So that afforded me a lot of things in life and got me a lot of opportunities. Um, So would you like a a bit of a jock thing? You could say that, but in high school, I was also not in the band, but I learned how to play instruments. So I learned how to play five instruments in high school. So I was like one of the people that kind of fit in the middle because like, <laughs> I, I played sports, but I also was, you know, playing instruments and I knew the band kids, mm. you know. So but, but high school was different because that's when I had to learn how to survive because me growing up in L.A., Compton, California, it, it wasn't the safest place. So I had to learn how to be sort of a chameleon where I could fit in in every space um, and still be who I am, be my own person. So that's why I knew how to play instruments, but I also played sports because it kept me out of trouble, mm-hmm. honestly, and it didn't draw the wrong attention to me. So I had to learn how to balance life early. So you, were, you weren't sort of around Hollywood then? I was, I was. I had a lot of experiences in Hollywood. Even just as a young kid, just me and my brothers and my friends, we would take the trains down there for like, like Halloween, Hollywood and ho- like on Halloween night is terrifying. It's just, it is chaotic. Oh my, if you want some entertainment, take the train to Hollywood. Bull. It's, 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 you'll never have an experience like that in your entire life. I promise you. So um, I had a ton of experiences in Hollywood as a young adult. It was, some of it was fun. Other, it was, it was dangerous too, but it was, it was incredible. So what what about the studios? I mean, I mean Hollywood uh, and say LA is famous for for the the movie studios. So do you have anything to yeah. do with that? When I was growing up, was you uh, was you thinking about being a budded thespian? Did you want to go as a an actor? You know, I wanted to for a short period of time. Honestly, I did, I, but I just I realized that that isn't the route I want to take because I personally love my freedom. I like the ability to do what I want to when I want to. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I realize that comes with a lot of responsibility. So for me, I'm perfectly 100% okay with the responsibility of having to go to work on my own time and show up and all of that. Like I'm, I'm with it. I understand all of it. I'm with it. Um, And I don't think people realize what goes into being an actor. Like it's a lot of work. And that kind of work just isn't fun to mm. me, you know. Well, I guess I guess the the competition is fierce in in, in, in and around oh, yeah. Hollywood. I mean, there must be so many budding actors all waiting on, <laughs> all being waitresses. <laughs> and you know what's funny now is it, they aren't even trying to be actors. Everybody goes to LA to be an influencer. Like now they want to be viral on TikTok and mm. Instagram and have a million followers and not have to pay for anything. Mm. Um, and I don't judge people for what they want. I'm okay with that. Um, but that's just never the path I wanted to take in life. You know, I've always had a vision for what my life looks like. 
Um, and I'm glad I followed it. Mm. You know, I'm really glad I took those steps. So what was the area in uh, L.A. like where you grew up? Did you move around or was you in, in sort of just one area that that you grew up in? Uh, I, I moved around, man. I've lived in Carson, California, Long Beach, Watts, Compton, like everywhere. Um, my, through my mom and my dad, I've lived in kind of all the smaller cities that are known as L.A., even Orange County. Um, I've lived everywhere out, outside just Southern California. I even lived in San Diego for a short period mm. of time. Um, and I got to experience all of it, you know, the good sides um, and obviously the bad sides that come with it. And I appreciate it, though, because it just taught me so much about life. You know, it taught me how to be aware of my surroundings, how to build relationships with the right people. You know, um, where I grew up, I wasn't a gang member myself. I wasn't into that lifestyle, but I have to know these guys so I can make it home mm-hmm. every day. Right. So I had to learn how to build the right relationships um, and, you know, connect with the right people. You just have to know this so that when I'm walking through this neighborhood every day, they don't, leave, they don't bother me. They leave me alone. Right. So I had to learn this stuff at a young age. Wow. Because um, from an outsider, I mean, L.A. is, is sort of Hollywood and, and the movies and, and, and that's that's what people see of uh, of Los Angeles uh, and say, uh, and it's like San Francisco. You just think of the, the Golden Gate Bridge as being San Francisco and the waterfront <laughs> and, and the up and downs on on on, <laughs> on the tramway. But yeah, but it's so much more to a to a city than that. Yeah, it, when you grow up there, it, it's a different side of life. You know, you have to kind of go to the other side of LA to see what most people see on TV and in movies. Mm. You know, they see Santa Monica or Venice Beach. Or they see Hollywood and they see, you know, the glitz and the glamour. Mm. Uh, but there's another side to L.A. that's just a mile away, yeah. you know. Um, and I had the privilege of experiencing that, like, both sides of it. You know, I appreciate it. One of my craziest experiences in high school was being on Rodeo Drive, like, where all the celebrities mm. shop and, like, going into the Louis Vuitton store and just being in that environment. I think everybody needs to experience both sides because it just makes you such a well-rounded person. I can now operate around those people that, you know, may be poor, may not have the best things in life. But I also know what it's like to be on the other side with the wealthy people that can buy whatever they want to, whenever they want to. Um, and it gives you a deeper understanding of people mm. in general. So you're not starstruck by any of them then? Oh, no. I actually, I've met so many celebrities now. It's crazy how I meet <laughs> celebrities. Like I ran into a lot, like in crazy situations. I was at the gas station once and I ran into Akon. Like, it's just, just leaving the gas station, Akon is like right there and his driver's getting gas and he's just sitting in the mm. car. Um, I've met Cuba Gooding Jr. And I've played basketball with a lot of celebrities as well, like Chris Brown. And like, I just have met these people. Like, it's it's crazy. When you're in LA, if you can run into the right people, you can be in those situations. It just happens. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun when you grow up then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's if you learn how to navigate it, it is an incredible place to to be. For me, for the life that I want to live, it's a great place to visit. But I don't want to, you know, raise my kids there. It just was a little. It's a little too much commotion. Um, it's a little too hectic, and um, obviously, it's more expensive to live there. Um, so it just it's not the best place in terms of raising a family, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um. Uh, because the way I had to grow up in high school, I don't want my kids to have to experience that. You know, I had to 
like walking home for me was an adventure every day. Yeah. You know, just not knowing what will happen, what I have to go through. I had to be really vigilant and living in that state of anxiety, honestly. A constant state of anxiety is just not healthy for young, young children or teenagers. Um, so it's a great place to visit, but I would not want to live there as a child again. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. Well, when I lived there as a grown up, either. <laughs> <laughs> to visit, yes, get an Airbnb and stay by the water or something, incredible. Yeah. But like living there day to day, it's going to take you an hour to go get groceries. Like it's just, it's too much. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> so um, college then, what did you do in college? What did you major in? So I majored in business um, and I went to a junior college first, went to two junior colleges. Then I transferred because, again, I'm still playing basketball at this time. And I majored in business all throughout. And I got to a point where I realized none of my professors have built businesses. And it was no disrespect to them. But I just realized if my end goal, because my end goal in, you know, in the next 10 years, I'm 30 now. When I turn 40, my plan is to be investing at least a million dollars into five different startups every year. That's my goal long term. And I realized that none of my professors have done what I want to do. So why am I paying all of this money to go to these classes? And and I realized I don't need college to do what I want to do long term. It's not it's not a make or break. Like I don't have to have that. Um, I do think I think school teaches you discipline. Show up to class on time get this work done, prepare for this test. It teaches you discipline, but it did not teach me the things that I want to do ultimately, like long-term in my life. I've been able to learn that stuff from just being on Twitter. Um, so college was, it was still a teaching moment, a teaching time in my life, uh, but not in the traditional sense of I went to class and I learned these things. It was just really different yeah. for me. So you said said about your basketball. So are you about six foot eleven, something like that? <laughs> you know, one of these big guys that sort no. of just pops it over the top. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm not six eleven. I'm six four, oh, yeah. um, and I've been six four since about sixteen. So um, it just has always been a part of my life. You know, when I was in college, actually, I couldn't play my last few years of college because of just some technical stuff. So that's when I started playing professionally. I was a trainer. I started blogging. I had a basketball podcast. Like it was still my life. Mm. Um, but basketball stopped being the priority when I realized the ceiling. Like I knew the ceiling for me with basketball was kind of yeah. here. And as a businessman, my ceiling is like here. Like I can do whatever I want to. Um, so I have a different perspective on it now. And I, I think I'm never upset about it because I did as much as I could possibly do in the area of basketball. Like I reached my full potential. So I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I'm happy with that area of my life, man. I put my all into it and I got out as much as I could. So I'm happy that I follow my dreams as far as it could go. Did, did you ever come up against Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I did. I've played with professionals that, uh, you know, are in the NBA and they play overseas. And, and that's also, you know, a reality. Like I was good, but compared to those guys, I didn't stand a chance. And I can be honest about <laughs> something and say, 
I'm not nearly as good as them. And that was with me going to the gym every morning at 5.30 a.m. and working out and in the weight room. I put in as much as I possibly could. And I think more people should do that. Like, follow your dreams as far as the road takes you. But when you get to that point where you know it's not going to work, accept it and be happy that you followed it as far as it could go. And you'll be perfectly fine with that. So how did you get on the on the on the professional stage? Were you playing for well, the LA just... Lakers or something like that, or was it <laughs> sort of a, a minor league sort of a professional team? Yes. Oh, definitely minor league. None of the NBA stuff. Like I, there are a ton of different minor leagues that'll pay you, you know, a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand dollars a game. You can go play overseas in other countries. Um, for me, it was minor leagues in America, and it was just me knowing the right people. Um, Again, I play with pros and, you know, it's just, you know, pickup games where it's just recreational mm-hmm. stuff. And knowing those guys that play professionally, they can easily say, hey, you're good enough to play on our team. Do introductions. I got invited to play different places. Um, but again, I'm always thinking long term, mm-hmm. like, what does this look like after a year, three years, five years? And I just knew my ceiling was here. Um I knew at the peak I'm going to make decent money, but nothing compared to what I could do in the business world. So I just had to switch up my focus. So that's what you did? Yeah, I just switched up. And that's when I started taking podcasting more seriously, building online businesses and working with other business owners. And um, even there, I had to figure out what am I going to focus on long term? Like, where do I see myself going? And uh, man, it's been such a fun journey. You know, I love, love what I do. I appreciate it every day. Mm. So let's have a look at your podcasting then. So how did you get into podcasting in the first place? What what drew you to, to, to podcast and how long you've been at it? So it's been about seven years podcasting. When I was still in college, I started podcasting. Um, I just wasn't taking it as serious. Um, well, actually, yeah, I was. <laughs> I got invited on the radio once and the guy's like, look, you got you have great basketball commentary on Twitter. So come on my show. And I said, all right, well, I'll try it out. And I went on the show and this is my first time being live, my first time on any kind of radio show or anything. And I did incredible. It was amazing. I think it's because I was talking about basketball. So in my mind, I wasn't really thinking I was just being, and I didn't really have to try. Like it was just a simple conversation and it was, it was amazing. It was one of the best experiences of my life. And after we got off the show, I went back to Twitter and a ton of people were like, where's your show? Do you have a podcast? And at this point in time, I had no idea what a podcast was. I was completely unaware. Then I realized, huh, maybe I should look into this. So that's when I started learning more about podcasting. And since then, I haven't stopped. I've always hosted a show or produced a show, managed. Like I've been in podcasting for seven years straight now, and I don't think I'll ever stop. Well, I'm only a boy at it then. I've only been at it for two years now. Um, but I've, <laughs> and- I, I've kind of expanded. I've, I've just um, had a, um, an achievement pop up. Because uh, so I, I go out on Buzzsprout, and that throws it out on all the platforms. So I've just just hit the hundred and fifty mark. So, oh man, that's great! Congratulations, man! And um, on um, what do you call it? Listen notes. I'm in the top ten percent globally. Man, and that's such a a, a great accomplishment. Like <laughs> it's, it's a, it, right it. 
I didn't even know about listen notes until it was like three years into podcasting. And after about three years, I'm I'm consistent with it. And I didn't really pay attention to a lot of the stats and stuff. And when I finally heard about listen notes, I went and looked up one of my shows, The Personal Brand and Playbook, and it's in the top 1% globally. I'm like, when did I get here? I had no idea I was there. It blew my mind. So I'm always thankful, man, that I got into podcasting when I did. Because it just, it changed my life. It's completely changed everything for me. It's certainly done a lot for me. I mean, uh, on um, Podmatch, I've been the number one host for last, for, for, for March and April. And I'll just come back up to to number one as a host um, today. I, w- I was two yesterday, but I've popped up to, 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 to number one again. <laughs> I, I love I'm not it, quite man. sure I how it. I've done it, but uh, <laughs> I think it's just been fairly busy at it. And I've also now expanded into doing video. Uh, so so yeah. I, I push out on um, YouTube and across the the, the the audio platforms. Um, so this is how this will, a look on on YouTube when it goes out. And then, I love it, man. Video is becoming such a big deal. And I personally love video. Like I'm still, I've been on YouTube for like three years now and I'm still trying to get, like, <laughs> I'm trying to grow on YouTube. Like I'm going to stick with it because I know once I find it, it's going to work. So I, I think I believe in video. I believe in video. Um, I, I'm excited to continue to put more work into video because if I can master podcasting, I believe I can master video well, as well. Well, I, I, I'm using, I, I, I've tried quite a few different platforms. I've tried Squadcast, um, Riverside, Zoom, um, and I had difficulty with all of them. They've all, they've all got glitches and, and problems. And then yeah. I, I, I was hosting, uh, I, no, I was guesting on somebody else's show and they, they were using StreamYard. Boom. Oh, I was hooked. And um, I'm, I'm <laughs> now up to 80, no, 50, I think you're about, I forget, 50-odd now um, on, yeah. on, on on StreamYard. And and it's it's stable. It's so easy to use. You can put so much on here. Um, yeah. You could do it on the fly. You can go live. Um, so I do a live show on a Thursday um, for two hours and different subjects and uh, just have a laugh and and uh, that seems to be growing as well. So uh, try StreamYard. It, um, I, I might, I don't know. Live streaming is well, you don't have to live stream. fun you to be record. I mean, this is recording in StreamYard and then you, then you can download it and, uh, and, and then edit put an edit on it and then uh, and then bang it up to YouTube, which is great fun. Yeah, I think YouTube is going to be so big for podcasters in the next year, two years. I think they're going to take it really seriously and it's going to be a major revenue stream because the way that YouTubers make money through Google AdSense, mm. I think podcasters are going to start making money through YouTube the same way. And I think that's going to just take podcasting to another tier. And now every podcast is going to have to start doing video because I myself watch most podcasts on YouTube now. Like if you don't have YouTube, cause I have YouTube premium. Mm-hmm. So even if you just add your audio to YouTube, I'm more likely to listen there. And um, I think more podcasters are going to win on YouTube, man. I just, I can see it in the next year and a half really blowing up. Well, I'm doing my best. 
<laughs> I'm not I'm not particularly fussed about making money. Um, for me, it's about leaving a legacy for, for future generations. So they can look back at this time mm. in history and see what we were doing now. Um, and the reason that I got into it is, is I was doing research on uh, ancestry. And I found my great-grandfather, who was a, uh, a chief petty officer in the Royal Navy, who lived just across the, the harbour from me in Portsmouth. And I thought it'd be great if I'd have gone, if I could have a chat with him about his life and all the rest of it. Couldn't do that. So, because uh, I can't time travel just yet. It's on, it's on the cards. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so I did right. myself and then, then I got into uh, doing other people and I haven't really looked back. So I'm having a ball. It is, right? Having the conversations with people like around the world is just, it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Like the stuff I've learned over the past seven years, I just, that, that's my favorite part of podcasting is being able to learn from people smarter than me. Like, <laughs> just random conversations. Like it just, it makes for incredible content. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the key to it. I think if you've got the, the quality of content and the quality of the sound of vision, it's a winner. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah, so, I'm about, I don't know, 12,000 odd downloads, something like that. I don't really take a huge amount of uh, notice of the figures. Um, I'll just concentrate on quality of content and, and quality of the the audio and the visual. And uh, I think I'll get that with this. Um, I'll play around with the, the surrounds. I'll put people's names on and stuff like that. And I can do it all on the fly as well, which is, <laughs> which is a bit of a giggle, especially when we're live. I mean, things are starting to go pitong. <laughs> right. So, um, so I guess in that time, you've put out a lot of, in seven years, you put out one or two podcasts. So roughly how many have you done? Oh, man, I have lost count at this point. I've done, man, hundreds of hours of podcast content. I've edited, I was an editor for like two and a half years. I'm back into editing now, but only for certain shows. Um, man, I've done so much in this space of producing shows, recording, sponsorship revenue. Uh, man, it's just been such a wild ride. Um, I, I could not tell you how many hours I've recorded. Like it's been, cause I even record teachable content, you mm. know, like, master classes and courses i've done a lot i know i have over 500 hours of educational content um but in terms of recording and all man i could not tell you how much like it's just been so much i'm literally recording content now for my new book the business of podcasting um i, I just i've recorded so much over the years mm. it's just it's a lot <laughs> <laughs> so what platform do you use to to do your editing on I use Audacity um, and I use Descript as well, just because using those as a combination, it helps me remove all the filler words. Audacity helps me kind of bring everything together in the sound. Um, and those work well mm. for me. Uh, Descript is, you know, like 30 bucks a month, nothing crazy. And Audacity is free. So I've been using the same tools for years now. Yeah. So personally, I use um, Adobe Audition for the audio and Premiere Pro for the video and Photoshop to do the, the artwork. And 
Yeah, the, the Adobe suite is incredible. Yeah, I've, I've been to, using it for donkey's years um, but, uh, as, as a work tool when I was uh, when I was in the army. <laughs> so I've just um, carried on using this platform. So what's what's your main uh, focus at the moment? Right now is just helping podcasters get paid. You know, 95% of podcasters don't make any money from their shows. And my purpose is to help people make money. Um, I've been able to, you know, I've been fortunate to make money through sponsorships, affiliate products, selling my own products. And now I want to just show other podcasters how they can do the same thing. Um, I, before I help podcasters launch shows and I still put more marketing plans, but I've learned that most people want to know how can I get paid doing this? Because they look at the top 1% of podcasters and say, well, they're making money. I want to do that too. So I'm not saying I can help you make, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, anything crazy like mm. that, but just helping somebody make an extra thousand dollars a month is a life changing for a lot of people that can change everything in their life. Um, so that's my purpose, man, with the book, the business of podcasting, the show, the business of podcasting, um, and even on Twitter, um, just helping people, you know, as much as I can, that's just super fun to me. So what's one key, um, thing that you would say to, to somebody getting into podcasting, how to grow their, their show fairly quickly? What would be a one, one thing they could do to do that? I would say, know what you're talking about as well as who you're talking to. So what I mean by that is if I make, for example, health and wellness content, and I want to help people live a healthier lifestyle, I want to get more dialed in on who that person is. Am I helping men who are in college live healthier? Am I helping single mothers, right? Get dialed in on that um, and know how you talk to them. So find 20 of those people and ask them what problems are they having, what they need help with. And having that kind of conversation with your audience up front is one of the best things you can do. You know, and I, when I say 20 people, I literally mean talk to 20 different mm. people that you want to create content for, because they'll give you all the content ideas. They'll tell you what products they want, the problems they're willing to pay to be solved. All of it. If you just go and talk to them. That's where I'm going wrong then. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's looking uh, uh, like Alex says on, um, um, pop match know your avatar well yeah. well I answered that question straight away he said who's your avatar well my avatar hasn't been born yet <laughs> and I, I, you know it's funny I don't even think that's wrong I think that's not a bad approach to it you know I think if you can find a problem that enough people can relate to and, you know, it's a pressing problem that they actually face consistently, then you have an audience. You know, I don't think that niching down has to be something like, like the first strategy I mentioned, the single mom who wants to live a healthy yeah. lifestyle. That's one way of approaching it. But another way is, um, let's just say you create content for people that have experienced, you know, very rare diseases and you want to help them live a healthier lifestyle. So it could be a different type of cancer. It could be a different type of mental illness or whatever. And you want to help them eat healthy and work out and exercise. 
that's a, that's still a way of niching down because instead of niching down by the avatar and by a person, mm-hmm. you're now niching down based on the problems that people face, right? So you could be niching down based on you know the kind of experiences that somebody has had, right? Like that's another format and strategy to niche down. So I don't think that that's a wrong way to approach it. Like for you, if you said I'm creating content for the people that want to create generational wealth, right? That's a very specific person. Like there are some people out there who want to learn how to create generational wealth for their family and future generations, which is what you've expressed is your vision. So you know, a lot of other people align well, with my, you on that. My vision is, is, is leaving a legacy for future generations so they can look back at this time in history and know what we did. Because we, we can't do that. We can't look back 100 years and, and look what ordinary people were doing with their lives because mm. it doesn't exist. You, yes, you've got books and stuff that written by sort of famous type people, and, and you know what celebrity type people were doing a hundred years ago. But generally, the ord- ordinary person on the street, like us, I guess, have had some extraordinary lives, and and yeah, and, and it's getting those that recorded for future generations so kids kids in 100 years time will be able to look back at this in a history class and know what mm. what this time in history was all about uh, and how we lived our lives and what we did and i think that's mm. that's my whole outlook for for my whole podcast is is ordinary people giving their extraordinary stories for future generations to be able to use as a tool um, in history lessons. I love that. I love that. And I think a lot of people can relate to you on mm. that. You know, the people that want to leave a lasting legacy for their children and their family. Um, so I, I think when it comes to niching down for podcasters, it doesn't always have to be by this person and by these details. Sometimes it could just be the same vision. Mm. If somebody has the same vision as you, that could be enough to build a whole brand around. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, every single interview that I've done is different. Everybody's everybody's story is totally different. Um, I mean, I've been doing quite a lot of people in America. I've done people in Australia. I've done people in India. Um, I'm still working on... uh, I've done a few people in Europe, but I'm still working on expanding across them. I've done somebody in South America. Um, and, and I've gone out, I've done a few in Africa as well. So I've, I've gone out on all five continents. <laughs> wow. that That's a power of podcasting, man. And I, I bet you've learned so much from all of these different people and different perspectives. Like that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's what we do. I mean, we just sit and talk. <laughs> it's not hard work is it i mean i mean the hard work comes sort of doing the uh the editing after but um i mean even that's fairly easy nowadays um i've had a lot of a lot of practice at it (laughs) and i guess you're exactly the same oh yeah that's that's the easy part now that is definitely the easy part now yeah it's just doing those little tweaks putting a top and tail on it and uh, hopefully run with it. Yeah. So tell us about your book. 
or your books? You, you've got a few books out. Yeah, I'm, I've put out a couple books. Um, the one right now is a business of podcasting. Uh, again, it's just about helping podcasters monetize and even making money from beyond the microphone. You know, I want to help people really understand, especially content creators like this is it's a certain way you have to operate and carry yourself when you want to make money from the content you create. And there are different ways. There are so many ways to make money now when you choose to be a content creator, whether you go and speak on stages, whether you write books, whether you sell courses, there's just so many opportunities that you can always be making money. Like every day you can be generating revenue in some different form or fashion. And there are steps to take to get there. Uh, but I just want more people to be aware of the opportunity we have today. Like there's so much opportunity here right now that I think we have to take advantage of it. Because I, I think our window is closing in the next 10 years. Then it's going to be different. But um, right now we have a lot of opportunity to change the world. Mm, definitely. So what would you say about somebody just thinking about doing a podcast and starting out? What advice would you give them on equipment? And um, so equipment and what to 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 edit on, what to publish on. So what would be a, a bit of a package for, for a, so a newbie coming into the caper? Hmm. Okay. So there's a, the first, far as microphones, you can go with the Samson Q2U, really good microphone. Um, the top tier microphone is going to be like the Shure SM7B. Um, those are the best mics at the top. I was even saying another good one is Audio Technica AT2020. I have that microphone. Um, all of those work really well. The mic I'm on now is a Shure MV7 really great microphones. You have a ton of mm. options when it comes to microphone. It just depends on your budget. But we're willing to spend at least a hundred bucks. Well, I'm, like at I, least I, I'm on a Suntronics podcast pro. Mm. Which is, Sounds which incredible. Is, um, a British made, British built here in Britain um, microphone. Suntronics has been going for a long time. I mean, they're, they're famous for um, putting the microphones into Abbey Road and some of the big studios there. Um, and they designed this particular podcast, uh, this, this mic for podcasters. And I think it sounds all right. I think it's a reasonably good mic. It works for me. And it comes in nice colours as well. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it looks a little bit like the um, the Rode um, pod mic. Yeah. But a Rode pod mic is three times heavier. This is fairly light. Mm, yeah, and that the, the weight of it matters. Like I travel with my microphone sometimes, yeah. and it matters. It, it definitely matters. Um, I've had this, this. My first microphone was a Blue Snowball, um, and I tell everybody now: don't buy that microphone. There are better options out there at the same price. Like you don't yeah. have to get that mic. There are better options. Um, as far as hosting, I've tried all the hosting platforms at this point. Um, I think the best, it really depends on what your show is mm. for. Um, I think it depends on the kind of audience you want to reach as well. Like a platform like Lipson is great for a professional podcast. Uh, Buzzsprout is great for kind of the entertainment and the abstract shows because Buzzsprout has a great community on Facebook um, where you can go and communicate with other podcasters like yourself. Yeah. Um, 
So it, it depends on what you want to do with your show long term. Mm-hmm. What I would tell podcasters just starting out is have your long term plan in mind. Like really think about it. And it's okay if your long term plan changes, mm-hmm. but just have one. Don't just buy all the equipment and stuff and spend money and you don't know why you're doing it or what the long term goal is. Like you have to plan for that. Like really think where are you going with this long term? Yeah. So that's the mic side of it. What about the the recording equipment? I mean, my setup is I've got a, an M1 uh, iMac, 24-inch, which is awesome. It's got a 1080p camera on it. Um, I connect it up to a, a, a Rode po- uh, Rodecaster Pro, and I've, I've got my Suntronics mic. Um and I've got the old um, DT770 uh, Pro uh, headphones when I'm editing, um, but I've also got hearing aids, which I can Bluetooth onto this. So I don't have to wear headphones when I'm, I'm, I'm doing the interviews and stuff like that, which is great. So that's my kind of setup that I use. And uh, when I first bad. started out, I, I just started out um, with an iPad. I was just recording on an iPad at a, a, a cheap 30, 30 quid mic. And um, <laughs> yeah, that's where we all start. My first setup, and I posted pictures of this. Uh, my first setup, I was just in my bathroom with like a makeshift desk. It was terrible. It was so tiny. And I had like a 10-year-old MacBook. It was horrible. And I had the headphones with the microphone attached mm. to it. Like that was my first setup. Um, compared to what I have now, it's no comparison. I have a bunch of studio lights. I have a uh, Lumix G7. I have the Shure NV7 I'm using now. Um, so I, my, my equipment now is absurd. I have like 10 microphones. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and <laughs> I have way more mics than I actually need. Um, but I'm planning on doing more in-person interviews and recording with local business owners mm. and stuff. So it's, it's useful. Yeah. Um, as far as recording, I would say Zencaster is my favorite right now in terms of the audio and the video, mm. because it's been the easiest. I tried Riverside, like you said, and they've added a lot to just kind of make it complicated, yeah. you know, and it's not, <laughs> not it, it can be a bit of a I had quite a few issues with it, with syncing and, um, uh, and quality of the, the uh, and it, it, I lost one complete interview, which yeah, was annoying yeah, happened which, to t- because I just couldn't yeah. get it synced up uh, and they couldn't do anything with it. And, and so it just went out as an audio, but I had to do an awful lot of work just to edit the audio on it, which was a shame because it was a really good interview. Yeah. And that happens to so many people. I know at least 10 people has happened mm. to. Um, so I think Riverside is good if you use the basics of it, um, but Zencaster has been the best for me now because I get incredible audio. Um, I can use my 4K camera on it and it works. They actually edit a lot of it for you on there when you produce it. It's affordable. I mean, it's just, it's been the best so far. Um, Squadcast is okay. But again, Zencaster is just a premium for me right mm-hmm. now. I just wish Zencaster would set up some kind of Zapier automation so I can schedule the way I would on Riverside and stuff. And that's a lot more advanced, but in the beginning you can use Zencaster. Don't use zoom. Do not use oh, zoom. It's not good audio. <laughs> and that road. 
Yeah, it didn't work for me at all. Um, have, you, have you looked at StreamYard? I've used StreamYard. I've used it um, for me because I don't want to stream just yet. I, I like Zencaster because when I when you use StreamYard, all your guests tend to think it's streaming live, even if you're just recording. So in their mind, oh my God, I'm live. And they like get more nervous. So Zencaster is a lot better because I let them know this is a recording. It is not a live stream. Because StreamYard just tells people, oh my God, I'm live somewhere. And they get nervous. So I don't want to well, use that. I'll, I'll tell them it's recording. But um, yeah, I guess it's in the name, stream. But yeah, but the, um, the support network for um, StreamYard is awesome. There's there's so much there. There's so much um, help and assistance out there. The the platform itself is so easy and intuitive to to work, and and you can do so much on the fly. <laughs> you really can do so much on the fly. Yeah, which is great fun while you're recording. Uh, so you, you you can record and. You can go live as well, and you can have. I'm on a professional plan with it. I can have up to ten people on the screen at once, which is mad. Incredible, <laughs> incredible! A oh, great roundtable, great. Yeah. So, but that's my preferred platform, and I've tried the others, and um, it, this is so easy to use, which which really hooked me. I can pop videos into it, and I, I can put banners under the bottom. And one thing or another is, uh, as I say, when you're live, you, you can have live questions coming in as well. And um, it's so so intuitive to use as well. So um, where am I? Uh, I'll just put, put that one on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do that all on the, on, on the fly. And it, it's it's a lot of fun to use. So, your latest book then, this is all about helping podcasters uh, get started and, and monetize and giving them tips and tips. Where can they get your book? Best way to get my book right now is let's have a conversation. You know, if you have questions about monetizing your podcast, just reach out to me on Twitter at Chris Podcasting or the Coach Chris underscore. If you're not on Twitter, I'm on Instagram at the Coach Chris underscore. And uh, just reach out to me. If you have a show already, send me your show. I love listening to new podcasts. I listen to about maybe 20 different podcasts a week now. Like I'm always listening to new shows just to check them out. Um, so send me a show. I would love to check it out. Give you a critique. Give you some feedback if you want to. Whatever. Just, you know, let's have a conversation. And do you, how is the book? Is it is it hardback, soft, uh, softback? Is it a digital book? Is it an audio book? So I will have the audiobook or the audiobook will be out later this year, but the ebook and the hard copy version will be available on May 28th. I'm actually doing a book signing at Podfest uh, in Orlando on May 28th as well. So I'm super excited for that. But again, if you want more info on a book, if you want more help monetizing your show, just send me a message and we can have a conversation. Brilliant. So Podfest, are you getting excited? Are you, are you, you're going to be speaking there? 
Yeah, so I'll be speaking, um, I think, three times a weekend. So, like, every day I'll be on a different stage. It's, it's going to be fun. And then I'll also be doing, like I said, my book signing. So I love these events. You know, I love to be around podcasters and share information and connect. And, you know, I even see people I haven't seen in a couple months or a couple mm-hmm. years now. And um, it's just always a great environment. What Chris Kremitzos has done with PodFest is just incredible. Mm. I'm going to one in London in a couple of weeks' time. Mm. Um, not wholly sure what it's all about, but I've signed up for it and uh, I've booked the train tickets and, uh, yeah, I'm off to London for the day. So, uh, and I think that it's kind of the same sort of thing um, where you've got um, experts in from the, the industry talking about everything and everything. So. Always great events, yeah. always. So I don't know whether it's about publicising your own your own podcast or whether it's just seeing how other people do theirs. Um, I'll find out. It should be good. Well, Chris, I think we've had a good good chat there. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you for having me on, Tim. I appreciate it. You know, this was a great conversation. Glad to learn more about you and, you know, what you're doing over there. And uh, look forward to staying connected. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next one. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.